0: Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. My guest today is Kiyosha Turner, a woman who has a busy life but manages to write books, and she's the author of a fantasy book, a page-turner called The Disappearance of Magda Harden. Now, Kiosha reached out to me on Instagram and expressed an interest to visit Planet Noun. She also introduced me to her book via DM, so I ordered an e-copy and found it pretty fascinating and I can't wait for the next installment. Yep, there's more to come from her. So let's go right to the start. Kiosha Turner shares when she discovered her love for writing, right here on Planet Now.
1: I realized that I, had a talent for writing when I was nine. During class, one of our assignments was to come up with like an essay about a certain object. And it could be any object. So as the teacher provided different objects for us to choose from. And after we wrote the essay, different people could volunteer to read theirs out in front of the class. And she was making her way around through different people reading theirs. And then when it got to my turn and I read mine, nobody wanted to go after <laughs> me because they thought that it was so good. And then that's when I first was like, oh, maybe like I'm good at this. And so I started exploring it.
0: What did you start exploring? Did you first, were you an avid reader before or did that increase afterward? Or was there really a change in uh, how much you read and wrote after that moment?
1: Yeah. So prior to that, I was definitely an avid reader. Like I've always, always loved the art of storytelling, but just through other people, I didn't know that that had existed in myself prior to that moment. And so after that, I just started writing different little short stories and I would just share them with my friends. Uh, Most of the time, I would just keep a journal of them and not share them with anyone. Um, But I always got positive feedback when I would share them with my friends at that time. So it just kept growing and growing. And I became like the girl who was really good at telling funny stories.
0: What was one of of your favorite stories that you wrote? One of your favorite short stories?
1: Yeah, it was actually, it was called A Dream Deferred. And it was written during um, Black History Month at that time. And it was about, basically about a, a Black boy who had like all these different goals that he wanted to achieve and the amount of pressure that he felt from society just because of his Blackness and the lack of confidence that comes from that all the stereotypical things that come with being a young black boy and like an impoverished community and him basically putting all of that to the side and just deciding that he's just going to buckle down and do the work but not necessarily what he wanted to do just fitting into like societal norms and then when he got older is when he was like you know what I'm just going to live out my passion and do what I want to do so that was my favorite story and that one was Very well received as well.
0: And so, any parallels between that story and your life at all?
1: Yeah, like in hindsight, yeah, absolutely. I didn't, at the time when I wrote it, I was just writing something, but uh, that definitely is a direct parallel to my life when looking back on it because I always loved writing. I knew that I wanted to be a writer, I definitely knew that I wanted to be a writer of like fiction and have it be like fantasy, sci-fi, that was always what I gravitated towards. But like being a young black girl, like in my generation at the time, we those weren't like the books that like our peers were reading, like people who looked like us. And so like the older black community didn't understand that like you could actually make money and succeed off of writing. Like being a black person or just anybody period because that was not the culture that I was raised in so like I would just do my writings and keep them for myself like knowing that I had a talent and that was like my god-given gift but I decided to not do that as work because I was listening to people tell me that more than likely I wouldn't be successful at it so I never tried to pursue it as an actual career until a lot later in life.
0: What got you to the point where you said, you know what, I'm going to pursue this. This is my gift and this is my dream. And the two, the two, I believe gifts and dreams can merge. And it sounds like your gift and your dream have merged. What made you decide to just go for it?
1: So I am like really big into motivational speaking and I'm always like the sounding board for like family and friends. And it's the advice that I'm always giving them to just go out and pursue your dreams, like live openly, live passionately. And I'm like, I should probably take my own advice. And one of my favorite speakers is uh, Les Brown. And I remember during one of his segments, he said that the graveyard is filled with the most rich people because it's a lot of people who died and their dreams died with them. They never got to flourish in life because they never attempted to even do those things. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to, to die and, and not have lived out my purpose or get old and wonder what my life would have been like if I had just actually did what I wanted to do.
0: And so now that the first installment of The Disappearance of Magna Hardin is out, what kind of feedback have you been receiving? And how do you feel personally? So that's two questions. What kind of feedback have you been receiving?
1: It has been absolutely fantastic. Like I honestly um completely blown away by the feedback because when you go into it you don't know if people are going to be receptive to it you just hope for the best and you know I I know that I put out a body of work that I was proud of but like I said you just never know so it's been absolutely absolutely fantastic I'm super appreciative of it Yeah. (laughs) Were
0: you a little bit scared of uh, the reception it might receive?
1: Not necessarily scared as much as I was like anxious to hear. Um, I was very open to positive and negative feedback. I was like, you know, I'm going to just take them both in. You know, all is coming from a good place. I know that the type of writer that I am may not be for everyone. But even with that being said, like a lot of the feedback that I've gotten, even from people who don't necessarily read in this genre, was people saying like it was absolutely fantastic and it actually made them feel as if maybe they should start exploring in that genre because they just assumed that they wouldn't like anything from like the fantasy thriller realm.
0: Speaking of fantasy thriller... And reading in that realm, when did you when were you first introduced to that? was that was that the type of genre or one of the genres that you read growing up?
1: Okay, so yes and no. So I was first I first experienced this through television and and movies, honestly. Those were the type of television shows and the type of movies that I naturally gravitated to. And um, like I loved culture guys. And then, as far as like reading went, I only dabbled in it a little bit. But when R.L. Stein came out with like that book series, like their little like teen horror series and like the Goosebum series, like those immediately became my favorite books
0: to read did you find yourself being one of the few people i'm not sure um how uh uh, the type of backgrounds that folks came from where where you grew up um i know where i grew up it was mostly uh mostly black and latino and uh, what about you do you did you find folks where you grew up were um reading the same things or did you kind of find yourself kind of the odd person out
1: oh i was definitely the odd person out because i grew up in an environment that was predominantly black and You know once again you know so i'm in my you know early to mid 30s right now so when i was younger this was not the type of books that people in our community read a lot or even experienced a lot it wasn't even that maybe that we wouldn't like it but just we weren't privy to that type of thing and i don't even think that maybe it was even as popular back then and because like the most famous people were like Stephen King or, so it wasn't something that was like really pushed on you. So I definitely was the oddball. Yeah. Kind of
0: know, kind of know how that feels <laughs> being the, <laughs> being an oddball. But then again, I don't know. I went to a smaller school. So um, everyone basically just had their, had their place. And for the most part, everyone was respected and, yeah. but yeah, but then you can still kind of feel when you're odd. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely still had, like, a lot of friends, but I knew that, like, the type of reading that I had was completely different than theirs, and maybe even some of the, like, TV shows and movies that I liked, you know, they really didn't like. And then it was actually, I moved, um, because I grew up in the Midwest, in Rockford, right outside of Chicago, and then when I moved to uh, Arizona, I moved to an area that was predominantly white and those kids were reading the same type of things as me so I could definitely tell the difference that like in my prior neighborhood these were not the books that were provided to us it wasn't a thing and then when I switched over to being around a lot of white people those very much were the type of books like they knew all sorts of different authors and whatnot that were in that market.
0: And so how long did you want to write a book before you actually wrote one. So um, we talked about what made you just go ahead and, and go for it. How long did you want to go for it before you actually did?
1: Oh my gosh. I would probably say at least 15 years. And, and during the course of that time, like I started and stopped projects This was just the first one that I was like, I'm seeing it all the way through to the end. So I definitely had this longing and this urging to do it for many, many years before I actually completed it.
0: So what is your what is your life look like? Like as far as work, as far as, you know, home and family, because I was I asked because I interviewed um, another author about a year or so ago. And her thought was, you know, I'm a mom, really busy you know, husband at home, but the only way for you to actually get something done is to just do it. And there's there there are pockets of time where you can carve out. Have you found that to be true as well?
1: Uh, Yeah, you definitely have to make the time for it. So yeah, I'm a wife and mother of three and my children are very active. Like they play travel sports. And so I have to be here, there, everywhere. I also have like a really good support system as well between my husband and my parents. So I definitely am able to carve out the time needed to work. Some weeks are definitely more challenging than others, depending on what's going on in, you know, everyone's lives. And then also with my work life, I work for a corporate company. So I'm there, you know, Monday through Friday. And for the most part, my schedule is flexible. So a lot of days I actually get to work from home and like choose what hours like I do go into the office when I do physically have to be there so like I'll just carve out blocks of time so usually for like my lunch break I'll just block it off on my calendar and so during my work day when I'm physically at work like that's definitely my writing time and then when I'm home it's a lot easier because the minute I sign off you know if my husband is here he can Can run the kids to whatever, and then that means that I'll have like a three-hour period where I can just focus on myself to do my writing. But now, since I have this first book out, it's also balancing out things like this, doing interviews, going to networking events, going to book festivals and TV and film summits. Because you know the plan is after the third series to get it to um, get it into like the film and television market. So it has it all takes up a lot of time because it's not just about the writing anymore it's about everything that comes after the writing to get it into people's hands and into their minds
0: awesome so let me ask where are you for some reason i'm thinking you're in the dc area but i might be wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i'm i'm in the virginia area it's uh, right outside of Winchester, Virginia, a place called Cross Junction. So I actually work closer into the city because I, my office locations are in Reston in D.C., so I do spend a lot of time out there, but that's not where I actually reside.
0: Now let's talk about Magda. Where did she originate? Of course, you know, of course in your mind, but where, where and how and how long before she sprang to life? in a book?
1: So I am a freestyle writer. The the way I write is definitely probably different than most authors, I would say, because I don't really have like an actual outline. So I have to, I write when I'm inspired to write. Mm -hmm. So I sat down in front of the computer and I was like, I have this These thoughts in my head. I was like, I 100% know how I want this story to end, but I don't know how I want it to start and what the meat of the story is going to be. Didn't even know anything about these characters, but I was like, at least I have an ending. So (laughs) that's something. (laughs) And I just sat down and I started typing. I came up with her name right on the spot. And, you know, everything else just flowed after that. So she hadn't been someone specifically that I had been thinking about. I just had been thinking about bits and pieces of this story. And it was basically just trying to figure out how to tie all my little thoughts together to make it cohesive.
0: So would it be accurate to say that um, you were getting to know Magda as you were writing about her, kind of like you get to know a friend.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's with her and every single other character in the book. <laughs> Okay,
0: okay. And then let's talk about representation because I noticed um based on the on the character descriptions it seemed that there is a great deal of representation of all sorts of people. What role did that play in your your decision to to create this series? Whether it's um you know the lack of representation in other books that you've read?
1: Yeah, I just feel like like in my real-world experience, I because I grew up in you know, the Midwest where it was predominantly black and then moving to Arizona where it's a lot of white, Hispanics, black people coming over to Virginia where there's all of those things. Plus there's a lot of, you know, Indian people and Asian people. So I feel like I've just always been around like a really diverse group of people. Um, these people are like my friends in real life people that I have known at some point or another in my life and I do feel as if in other books when it's someone whether you're black white or whatever most of your characters are going to be that same race so if you pick up a black book nine times out of ten almost every single character is going to be black if you pick up a white book nine times out of ten every character is going to be white and that same goes for Asian whatever and I just felt like I wanted to bring about some other sort of realness. Like, I do understand that that is a lot of people's experiences. But I know so many people who have a diverse group of friends, like whether they grew up with these people or their current friends now, but they've, been, they've experienced it. And so I wanted to bring that out in the book as well.
0: Okay, and as we continue talking about uh magda I don't want you know I'm trying not to do any spoilers but <laughs> but one question about it is it an allegory for anything if so, what and what's the the hidden meaning or the underlying meaning that you'd like people to get
1: um I would just say that for me if anyone could take anything away from it, it would be that regardless of what curveballs life throws at you, because there's gonna be lots of times where we feel like mad uncomfortable about different things that we experience, things that we feel like are happening to us that we don't want to have any part of in any way, shape or form, that we need to just take a moment go through the emotions, but we also have to grow through the emotions as well and embrace whatever is happening head on and deal with it. And nine times out of 10, like you'll end up persevering in the end. And, you know, life isn't meant to be where everyone goes through and they're completely unscathed. That's not how, you know, the real world works, but there is always a brighter outcome in most situations. So I just want people to know that, just go for it. See what happens.
0: Go through and grow through, I like it.
1: Yeah. I like it. If you're scared doing it, just be scared doing it. Just as long as you're doing it, you're good. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the
0: characters that I'm interested in finding more about. Now, let me know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, Malum. Yeah, Malum. Malum. Malum is mm-hmm. not really a nice guy, and no. <laughs> but I'm interested in how he became the way he became. So, wh- how did he get to this point? Are you gonna
1: any any backstories in the works for him? Um, yeah. So, um, everything will have full moments for sure but uh like in the this first one I alluded to it a little bit um a lot of people actually inquire a lot about his character he's just so Um, mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah so I alluded to it a little bit in this this first one and um not to give too much away about the second one but there's not gonna there's not a heaviness of him but he will come full circle in the third one where you will learn more about you know what pushes him what drives him motivates him to be the way that he is okay we know the underlying desire in the first one of like what in the big scheme of things, of what he's trying to achieve, but we just don't know where Magda comes into play with everything.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I couldn't help but wonder, baby, who hurt, who hurt your feelings, Maloum? <laughs> <laughs> what happened, sweetheart? <laughs> so I cannot wait to find out more about him. <laughs> <laughs> as well yeah, as what yeah. happened to magda because uh, the 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 first the first uh book has an interesting ending and i'm not going to say anything more than that but you, yeah i think you'll want to find out what happened
1: to magda cuz she's still gone <laughs> <laughs> right. so i just saying yeah that. <laughs> Like, there was so many people that when they finished reading this, like, if I could just, like, go through, like, the phone calls or the text messages, the emails I got from people, like, what the, the heck? Like, they're like, talk about a cliffhanger. Like, how you just... <laughs> I'm like, well, now you gotta read the second one. <laughs> that was good, though. That was really good. I so much, like, I... I had so much fun writing that. Like before I, so like I said um, earlier that I knew how I wanted the series to end, like I knew it down to that very final sentence. Like I always knew that that's how I wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, writing through it and it taking its process or whatever, when It finally got to me writing that last sentence. I just smiled so hard because I was like, I know people are about to be so irritated and happy at the same time. (laughs) You know what? That's exactly exactly it.
0: (laughs) But you know what? They'll be back. (laughs) They'll be back. Exactly. And then another question about um, your, your characters. Another thing I want to know is um, how the beings that are talked about or that are, that you write about, Mm -hmm. how did, why is it that they don't like people like Magda? And of course, anyone who's listening will have to read, uh, read the book in order to find out uh, what type of uh, person or being Magda is.
1: Yeah. So That is honestly, so a lot of the story is based about, even though it's in a fantasy world, there are real life elements to it as well. So the reason why she's not fully accepted, or it's thought that she wouldn't be fully accepted, is the same way that it is here with us. Discrimination happens. It's an actual thing. And just because you find yourself on a completely different work in a completely different world doesn't mean that they are void of discrimination either. And so like when we're experiencing newness and things that like we think are odd or that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't exist, like there is a resistancy towards that and that's exactly how it is over there as well on e2 oh
0: okay okay so there's uh that parallel uh it's like well the parallel between the worlds i guess is that would that be accurate to say
1: yeah so just you know the same way that on like i'll just go off of what i call them in the book like earth one and earth two um earth one being what we you and i experience on a day-to-day basis um you know, there's racism that goes on, there's prejudices, there's stereotypes, all of that sort of thing exists in our reality and the exact same thing unfolds over there. So, you know, it could be like, you know, a group of shapeshifters that don't like people who aren't really shapeshifters and um, and so forth. Like even like waterborne creatures don't really like land dwellers. Yes, yeah, so those are very
0: real things for them. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your future plans. So, of course, you have the two other installments of um, the Magna Hart- Magda Hardin series that are coming out this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Outside of that, what are some other literary goals that you haven't achieved yet that are on your list?
1: Honestly, it is to just put out as many bodies of work as I can like I'm definitely in full pursuit of being a storyteller at this point so there's so many different stories that go on through my mind where like I feel like they should exist in the world so I'll definitely be putting out more and more and more work and as far as this particular series goes the goal is like i said before to push it out into the tv and film market i've gotten so much feedback from people who've read it that said that they could see it being like a netflix series or they could picture it on cw or like an amazon original Um, sci-fi now has a big push where they are adapting um like horror thriller type of tv series and like original like film content like they're like kind of getting away from like the super super sci-fi type of things that's dabbling in things that have more of like a horror and like thriller element so there's definitely a market for it so i definitely will be pushing it so actually after the third one comes out in november i'm going to spend like four to six months just pitching it around to different production companies. After I wrote this first one, I dabbled in that a little bit just to get my feet wet and to see what people would think and different production companies that actually reached back out to me, um, had nothing but great feedback on it. I actually have um, some more interviews coming up, like even one this month and another next month. With some production companies um, about it. And, you know, obviously I have to finish the third one in order for anyone to, you know, really jump on board. But I'm just making sure that I'm doing little bits of the legwork now so that way when I really start going hard at it after the third one is done, they'll already, we already have a report together and I can start building from there.
0: And remember, anyone who's listening, This is all while she works full time, is a wife, is a mother, and not just has three children, but three children who are active in sports and other activities. So she has a full plate. Any last word or inspiration for anyone who wants to, but, you know, keeps figuring out reasons why they can't?
1: there's a couple of things. So one of the things that I live by is the mentality of it's always too early to quit. Just never throw in the towel. It's okay to rest, but don't throw in the towel. It's always too early to to quit. And something that I stand by, you know, as I'm getting older and, you know, I have children that, you know, are getting older and I want to provide certain things for them. I just think about how there's, like an old person inside of me now that is expecting me to make right decisions today so that way my old self can live the way I want to later on in life and I just try to keep that in mind like I owe it to my future self to do what is necessary and I would encourage everyone to develop that same sort of mindset because you do owe it to yourself. Like we only have one life, so live it on your terms. Live out your truth. It's you're going to have naysayers, and it's going to be people who honestly, because they can't identify something within themselves, so they push that off on you. But you have to live out your own truth and get it done because you do owe it to yourself. When you are 80 years old. You will wish that you have put in the word today when you were 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 to so just get it done.
0: And that's today's word <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <For> today. <laughs> uh, well, one other thing that I would add is that I would also encourage black writers to don't try to fit into what you think is the stereotype style of writing for us. All of that is definitely necessary too because it is true to people's lives, but it's not, we are not just like monolithic creatures, like we have different sides. So definitely explore that. It's a market that um, is, we don't see a lot of our faces in it, but it's a market that pays a lot of money, especially if you do get something adapted. So just all you Black authors, writers out there, just really go for it. Take the time to do it. If you feel like you need to study something to make yourself feel a little better at it, that's fine. But just jump in head first and do it and you'll thank yourself later for it. Our representation matters.
0: Thanks for listening to Planet Now, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. You've been listening to Kiosha Turner, author of The Disappearance of Magda Hardin. She joined me from Virginia, and we recorded this a bit before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. A national emergency was declared in the United States, and we were put under orders to stay at home. So if you're looking for something new to read before everything opens back up again, check her out. Find more information at planetnown.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Noun podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, and please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. And while you're doing 50-11 things at home, like chores, dishes, cooking, put in the earbuds and give us a listen. And when you have a moment, rate the show. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for stopping by. Until next time, take care.